The Oklahoma City Thunder are leveling up. Chet Holmgren getting unlocked by his teammates, and J-Dub is throwing haymakers on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder topping the Miami Heat to salvage the road trip as SGA continues to show that he's an MVP caliber candidate. Chet Holmgren is built for moments like this, and J-Dub is throwing haymakers. Let's get it going. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com right now, slash locked on. Use the code locked on NBA, all lowercase, locked on NBA for your first deposit match up to $100. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. And thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. The Thunder come in, last game of a four-game road trip, rotational health for OKC, missing some pieces here and there. Miami, without Jimmy Butler, without Kyle Lowry, without Caleb Martin, and the Thunder find themselves riding the ship in the middle of this game. The game started out sloppy. They were once again sluggish defensively and a step slow in their rotations. And so when you couple that with Miami hitting tough shots, because, you know, in the seldom occurrence where the Thunder played good defense in the first half, you know, Miami was able to shoot over the top of that defense and knock it down. They also got a lot of gimmies where they were just wide open, and NBA players are going to hit that more often than not. And so you have to head into this game, and, and, and the Thunder have done a better job of this, you know, this whole season than they have this week. But you can only control the effort you give defensively And this entire road trip, for the most part, that effort has not been there. You saw the dud in Atlanta, explainable by travel. The the Brooklyn game, it was just a a random occurrence. And then Washington, like Washington was masked by how bad they were, Uh, the the Wizards were, uh, the the lack of defensive effort. You just were able to handle it because they're Washington, you can outscore them. But that resulted, that sluggish bad defense, resulted in 69 first-half points with Miami shooting around 60% from the floor. But the Thunder did show really good maturity in this game, and it shows how they're leveling up as a team, and it's twofold in this game. Because this is clearly not what this Thunder team is about. This is clearly not who this Thunder team is, this poor defense, poor effort, poor energy. Because I know know that it feels like such a massive stretch because it's back-to-back-to-back games. But when you take a step back, we have a much larger sample size. Someone asked me today, when do you start to get concerned about the defense? The the concerning defensive stretch has been like three games. There's 30 more games where they were playing really high-level defense. And, and so I think that that's always important to keep in context of it. So it, it obvi- it's obvious that like the first half of this Miami game was not what this Thunder team is, what, is not what they're about, is not what they you know hang their hat on. And that is building on three straight games of that. 
which has to be frustrating. And, and, you know, sometimes you see teams point fingers, you see teams pack it in and just kind of give up in these scenarios. But the Thunder instead get right back to business and buckle down in the second half. You saw a second half uh, lineup change. Third quarter starts with Casey Wallace instead of Lou Dort. The Thunder going an 11-0 run in the, in, in the third quarter. They eventually go on a 20-2 run for Oklahoma City. Remember, they give up 68, 69 first half points. In the second half, they give up 27 total points in the third and only 24 points in the fourth quarter. So that adjustment right there, that sign of maturity to be able to flip the switch and turn a game around on the road, it is getaway day. It's the first night of a back-to-back. So we talk about excuses. We talk about schedule losses. That also uh, should be talked about whenever teams overcome that, right? Because if they were to have shown that poor effort, the built-in excuses would have been there. Oh, you know, they're looking ahead to the next game. You know, they're, they're looking at the travel. They wanted to get back home. You know, they, they've been on the road for a long time or on the road for a week. You know, that would have all been there. But instead, they played their best basketball in the second half, and they were able to turn this game into 180 uh, on defense. The second aspect of which they showed great maturity for the Thunder is that they come out in the second half, go on that 11-0 run, go on that 20-2 run, and boom, Miami hits them back with a counter punch. And Miami cuts this lead down to seven or so, and the Thunder were still able to close out the game. And what was so impressive about that, you know, what's so impressive about closing out a, a game in January, what's so impressive about that is that in order to get on their runs, Miami went to the zone defense. And you saw last year in South Beach, that zone defense gave Oklahoma City fits on national television. On top of the 40 free throws Miami shot, the zone defense was the second most uh, criticized part of that game for Oklahoma City. It's given the Thunder fits this year. You know, in, in Minnesota, a game that was won by three points, that, that chunk of the game where they just could not in the second half, you know, the first half they go out there and they score 60-something points in Minnesota. Second half, they can't hit water of a boat, right? They were able to counteract that the next time they played Minnesota in the Paycom Center and were able to beat Minnesota's zone defense. Miami, when they threw that junk zone defense at the Thunder, it it allowed them to struggle and allowed Miami to go on that run, but the Thunder were able to get past it and were able to deliver a counter to Miami's counter. And so on the road with 11 lead changes and only one tie, it was impressive for this team to close it out and win this game. You mentioned Miami was shooting like 60% in the first half. They end up shooting just 46% from the floor. Still shot 41% from deep. Very impressive. Shot 82% at the line. The Thunder shot 59-42. Both really good numbers for OKC. But then again, they shot 75% at the charity stripe. Uh, after being the best team in basketball at shooting free throws. Last week, they were. Now, not so much for the Thunder uh, in this recent stretch. The Thunder actually won the rebounding battle, but lost the turnover battle. So it was a, it was a flip-flop of both aspects. They typically lose uh, rebound win turnover. The Thunder still dominate points in the paint. They went up by 12. Uh, they were able to still lose second chance points despite, but despite out-rebounding Miami. They lost those 10-4, to 4, and they won fast break points by two, or such that they lost them. But overall, to finish the road trip 2-2 two and two, after just two duds is still growth and a sign of maturity from the Thunder team who've, who has never let to this point, and it will happen eventually. It's an 82-game season, but to this point, they have never lost more than two games in a row. To be able to nip those 
cold streaks in the bud and at least somewhat get back on the horse, right? Again, Washington was not perfect Monday. You can go back and listen to uh, that, that pod where we recapped that game. It was, it was not even close to perfect, but they won the game. They did their job and then they come in and resettle themselves against Miami. Then the next litmus test, you know, I think that, you know, every time that we ask Mark about big games, he, he mentions that you can uh, have a test in every game. You know, as you watch the season unfold, that really is true because now you're, you're wondering another back-to-back, another back-to-back with travel involved and a team that you just don't get up for. It's the same scenario almost as last week. Obviously, Boston's a much bigger win, and hopefully the Thunder don't have the travel issues that they had last week. But you're heading into, you know, play your first game at home in a week and playing the worst team in the NBA in the Western Conference, at least, or one of the, one of the worst teams in the NBA in Portland. They're not going to give this game any energy. And so how this young team comes out and responds will be big. You know, first game, first day back in Oklahoma City for, for a, a stint where you're only going to be in Oklahoma City for a couple of days before you head out west. Like, all that stuff will factor in tomorrow. So that's another chance for this young team to prove their uncommon maturity. And you, know, you, you can question it whenever they, they lose in Boston after a dud. They didn't turn it around immediately. But I think that they, overall, their total body of work continues to show you that this team is uncommon for their age, is uncommon for their experience. And a big reason why is the big three. And I want to talk about Chet Holmgren getting unlocked, J-Dub landing haymakers, and of course, SGA, uh, who right now, should be considered the MVP favorite. We'll talk about all that coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, my good friends over at Price Picks. Price Picks is awesome. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA. And when you do, you're going to enjoy everything Price Picks has to offer, which is great because it's available in Oklahoma. And what Price Picks is, is daily fantasy sports made easy, made simple. It's just you versus the projected number. So you're not having to worry about playing some shark who knows everything about fantasy sports. It's just you versus the projected number. So you pick two to six players. You can do this cross-sport entry or focus on the NBA. I like to focus on the NBA. So you can pick SGA more points tonight than his projection, uh, and you can pick Chet more rebounds tonight than his projection, and then throw in there uh, you know, a, a LeBron James more than his points, and boom, you've made an entry and you're able to try to cash in at prize picks. I think that with prize picks, it's cool to be able to combine uh, the different sports, especially this weekend. You're going to be watching the NFL you know, playoff games. You're also going to be checking out Thunder Magic. Throw a little bit on the Saturday games, the Chiefs and Dolphins. Throw a little bit on the Magic Thunder game and have a day on Saturday. Have a really, really good day. Now, if you're only focused on the NBA, you might be thinking to yourself, how can I ever play daily fantasy for the NBA? These guys pop up on the injury report last minute, all of a sudden they're not playing, what happens? Prize Picks offers a reboot policy and they're the only ones to do that. So Prize Picks has you covered, especially in the case of injury assurance in the NBA. So check it out today at prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA. That's prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA. Your first deposit match up to $100. That's a really uh, good deal for prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. J-Dub continues to prove that he can throw haymakers. And so when you watch Jalen Williams, who's improved in every category from his rookie year to his sophomore year, he's even improved 
the category that no one thought he could, and that's his efficiency. Remember last year, all the talk was how efficient he was and how you can expect a year to step back in efficiency with a, with a more gained role. It's been quite the opposite. He's been more you know efficient. But the biggest thing he does for the Thunder team is not in basketball reference. The biggest thing he does for this team is throw haymakers. Oftentimes, throughout SGA's Thunder career, but let's put, let's let's focus on you know the, the game, uh, the season last year where he was like the guy and the Thunder were competing for the postseason and made the postseason. When SGA would go to the bench, right, you would be swerving punches. And you were just hoping to survive. You were hoping to not get knocked out. You, you, you were on the ropes when SGA went to the bench. Then you got to go back to your corner, regroup, and that's SGA coming in. And maybe uh, you could be able to salvage a fight in a decision. What J-Dub allows the Thunder to do is when SGA is on the bench, he can land a haymaker. He can win you a game. He can make it to where it's, it's academic whenever SGA comes back in. It's over. It doesn't matter, which he's done before. But at the very least, at the very least, he can take some and give some punches. You're not just sitting there swerving and hoping. You're not just sitting there biding your time, dancing in the rain. I hope you can tell I don't actually watch boxing or MMA or anything, so I, I hope that all made sense. But, but nonetheless, the difference in this team's success has been the fact that the game doesn't stall as hard as it did last year without a shit in the court. Obviously, you're going to miss an MVP. You're going to miss a first-team All-NBA player anytime if they're not playing. But when he's not on the court, you don't just throw your hands up and say, oh, gosh, what are we ever going to do? Because of all these aspects that he can that he can provide to the team. He, he fell a rebound shy of a triple-double, 12 assists, 9 boards, 19 points, and a steal. Just one turnover. Despite taking over the game in segments where he's like the lead guy. One for three from three, 55% from the floor. So what Jadim's been able to do, is he's been able to shoot 69% at the rim, which is in the 69th percentile for his position, where he's out of position, by the way, 47th percentile in the overall mid-range, which is in the 82nd percentile uh, for for his position, 47% uh, in the mid-range shooting the ball, 42% on catch-and-shoot threes, 92nd percentile, 56% on corner threes, 97th percentile. Overall from three, he's shooting 44%. So he's made a massive leap shooting the ball from three. He's made a massive leap... uh, in his field goal percentage, and he's even gotten to the free throw line an additional attempt a game. And what have we preached on this show forever? Forever. It's been the difference in players is how much they can get to the line. If you get, you know, as you get to the line more, you're going to see your, your point per game total leap. And you're going to continue to see that with Jada because he's added on that extra muscle to bulk up and become a really lethal rim finisher, especially going to his left. He's added he's added moves to his portfolio to his resume that he can do uh, you know off the dribble as a creator for himself, which is getting to the mid range and really knocking it down at the elbow or or getting deeper into the paint, uh, but still kind of considered in that mid range area where he can make a defense decide. And that ability to make a defense decide is so impressive because of all he can do as a scorer, but also the vision to be a passer, which falls back to his guard tendencies back at Santa Clara. J-Dub's leap this year is easy to, to be really excited about, but also not give enough credit to because it looks on paper, and this is more so to the outside. It looks on paper they're like, oh, the Thunder are much better this year. It's because they had a Chet. He's the only difference. But J-Dub is a totally different player than he was last year. 
like Jaden has made significant strides in his footwork and his body control and his shooting ability. And he's gotten back to his roots as a playmaker with the vision to be able to be a play finisher and be able to see where the defense is heading. And I think that one of the most important parts of his game is his ability to flip the switch into those different roles because he can knock down corner threes on kickouts from Shea. He can cut and finish at the rim and be in the dunker spot and be a play finisher. But he also in the second and fourth quarter can absolutely go get his and can absolutely lead a team. And so when you factor all that in on the court with what J-Dub does off the court and, and about off the court, I should say like adjacent to the court, because like what I'm talking about is a lot of the Thunder players, when they hit a big shot, when they, when they have a successful sequence, they act business as usual. Like you saw Chet hit a buzzer beater in Golden State against the Warriors, send it to overtime, and he hardly makes a peep. And so that's just how these guys naturally are. But someone has to be able, able to bring that juice, bring that energy. And that oftentimes is falling solely on Jadub, which he's taken and ran with, uh, you know, in the adjacent court, so to say. And then the on the court product has been improved upon tenfold. He has 15 and ones, third on the team, only three players in uh, double digit and ones this year so far for the Thunder. It's Shea, Chet, and J Dub. He is third behind those two other guys, but uh, it just still shows his, uh, his ability. And the old wives' tale of, of, of adding muscle and bulking up hurts your shot has been dispelled, at least for J Dub, uh, which has to be attributed to um, some, some of that work he put in the offseason to balance adding a ton of muscle, a ton of uh, strength while also maintaining efficiency and not just maintaining efficiency, improving upon it. And that's just improving upon efficiency, you know, improving upon it in a more difficult way in a role where he's asked to do more. I think that you can start to see the ways in which he is a sponge next to SGA and SGA's talked about how he sees his own game in J-Dub and how they work out together. He is able to manipulate a defense to get them where he wants them to go and to get to his spots on the court at an extremely high level. And I, I think that with JW, you're seeing the makings of a perennial all-star. Now, now it's going to be tough because we've mentioned this before in this show in the offseason of like rarely where you see three all-stars on the same team and, and Shea's always going to take a spot and then you have the, the, the Chet and JW stuff, but he is fantastic. He is fantastic. And then you saw SGA just take care of business. At this point, it is a dare to the league to try to stop him because it's impossible to. And we can talk about the 28 points and the eight assists and the two rebounds to steal the block, two for five from three, 64% from the line, uh, from the floor. But, but what you have in Oklahoma City is you somehow have another indescribable player, a player in which you get to a certain point and there's just nothing more you can say. It's been said. There's nothing more you can compliment. There's no, there's no dressing up your analysis of SGA. He is just one of the best players in the world. He's one of the best players this season. And I think he should be the MVP leader in the clubhouse. To go on this run of, of having all these guys playing in Oklahoma city who reach this level is historic and should be appreciated. 
like the fact that you you look at him and you're so repetitive game to game of what the synopsis is that only happens for a few guys like monitor monitor another team for a week and see how often you get repetitive they're lucky if they have one guy like that like luka very repetitive to cover luka because he's going to go out there he's going to make jaw dropping just highlight real grabbing plays drop 30 and you're just going to be in all of him and all of what he's able to accomplish it's the same thing with SGA. How is he so efficient? How can he score so well at the rim? How can he literally jump through defenders uh, to split them in the paint and finish at the rim? How can he continue uh, to, to force defenses to foul and force defenses to shade over and leave open his teammates wide open? But what I think is more important to talk about right now tonight than his game, because we've talked about his game a ton, is his leadership skills. And, I, and, and you can view this as, as reading too much into it, but having been in a lot of his, you know, all of his press conferences in Oklahoma City, uh, either in Zoom or in person, when you're looking at SGA and he's doing stuff like this, where after the press conference he's walking off talking about seeing the finals, when during the press conferences he's he's preaching and harping on the fact that he wants to win, he's here to win, he's done a lot of losing, he wants to win now. Again, this could be reading too much into it, but it felt like the first half of this game and this this road trip, sort of a wake-up wake call uh, of getting back down to business, getting back down to wanting to win and wanting to to get to that point. And obviously they want to win every single night that the ball is tipped in the air and they wanted to win it in, in Brooklyn. They wanted to win in Atlanta. But it just, the vibe the vibe feels different a little bit uh, from SGA as a leader. Now, I think that Chet Holmgren has shown that he is built for big moments. I'll tell you what I mean coming up next, but first, I want to tell you right now, bugger to friends over at Jace Medical. So at Jace Medical, they have the ability to help you out um, and ensure that you have uh, these five different antibiotics to treat uh, a long list of bacterial you know, illnesses and and uh, anything that you that you may be dealing with. And it can make sure that you have it on hand. That way, you feel protected and you feel like you have. Uh, what you need uh, in case of, of an emergency, you know, bad weather coming in with wintry weather, maybe you can't get out of the house and drive. Uh, you have what you need on hand in case anything uh, happens. Visit jacemedical.com to complete your physician encounter. Uh, it'll be reviewed at a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed uh, by a licensed uh, pharmacist at the function, uh, at a fraction of the cost, I should say. Uh, it will uh, be very important to be prepared uh, for you, uh, if you want to feel that way, go to jacemedical.com and use code locked on for $20 off your first order uh, or your order. Go there right now to check them out at Jace Medical and you can get the Jace case, which has uh, a pack of these antibiotics that can really uh, help you out with a long list of situations and, and being being uh, at your disposal for you when you go there right now to jacemedical.com using the offer code locked on for $20 off of your order at Jace Medical. Uh, with them, they can help you out with, you know, you know the, the bacterial issues such as UTIs or respiratory infections or skin infections, among other things uh, that can really, you know, just happen to all of us uh, in the in the midst of life. So check it out today at Jace Medical. Uh, use code LOCKDOWN for $20 off at jacemedical.com. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. The Thunder were off to a really bad start in this game, and 
early Chet Holmgren buckets really cleaned things up for the Thunder and, and sort of stabilized them and allowed the game to flow in a way where, like, sure, the Thunder didn't have their best effort defensively, their best fastball, as Mark calls it, defensively, didn't have uh, the cleanest of starts offensively. But Chet's ability to steady things is what preserves a game where the Heat never grow a massive lead. You never get down by a ton because you have a pocket pass that's loose change on the floor for a little bit, and somehow Chet just scoops it up and easily lays it in. A couple back-to-back and ones. And he just turns a game on its head offensively because he has fantastic body control, fantastic footwork, and an uncommon ability to match a moment, to understand what a situation calls for. And it goes back sort of to reading defenses, which we talked about on the last podcast of, um, you know, if a defense is giving you threes, shoot them. Don't come into a situation with a predetermined mindset of, hey, tonight I'm getting to the rim. Because what if they don't play that way? What if they play off of you? You're going to need to make them pay shooting the basketball. So him not coming into it predetermined, I think, is a big deal for him. But the uncommon ability to match situations within a game itself. Like, obviously, he's roasted the occasion playing some really good competition. But even just what this needs, does it need Chet Holmgren to go force something and not in the negative way of forcing something, but just go create something to spark the team? Does it need, does he need to play more of a complementary role? He understands uh, what his role should be possession by possession which is really tough for rookies to understand a lot of the times. He did not miss a single shot inside the arc. He only missed shots from from three-point land, and he went one for five from three, an uncharacteristic shooting night. But I think that you continue to see his best role unlocked for him. He mentioned it against Washington. 11 of his makes, all 11 of them, were assisted on on Monday. Today, seven of his 10 makes were assisted on against Miami. He can be the lethal play finisher that Oklahoma City has needed. He ranks in the 95th percentile in points per possession off cuts, 82nd percentile in transition, which is just him running the floor uh, and, and most of the time and getting spoon-fed easy buckets, 83rd percentile in the pick-and-roll as a roll man, and you and you couple that with his ability to knock down catch-and-shoot threes, shooting a 43% clip on catch-and-shoot threes, and, and, you, and you see how he can easily chip in 20-plus points a night just based on how the Thunder play basketball, cutting behind the action on SGA drives and 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 being dished upon for an easy dunk, running the floor into transition off of the typical high steal numbers and high turnover numbers that the Thunder get uh, on the defensive end, being in the pick and roll with really SGA and Jade up. It's been completely awesome to watch those pairings kind of form. You mentioned it in Washington, he started to see them understand more of how to use Chet Holmgren, where he was using the dunker spot on SGA drives. Uh, he he was used and, and found more on the rolls with SGA going to the rim and, and really waiting it out till he got to the restricted area to, to make a decision on if he wanted to go up or pass the Chet. And by that time, you know, the defenses decide once you get down there who they're going to cover and somebody's got to be open on the pick and roll. Uh, and so when you look at his elite play finishing ability, whether it's popping out from three, relocating on the perimeter, or getting to the basket downhill. That is an elite thing that this rookie can do, but he can also attack you off the catch on the dribble, which he did in this game to get an and one over uh, Jaime Jaquez. 
he can create for himself off the dribble. And his ability to finish through contact, second on the team in and once 22, uh, only nine behind Shea, seven ahead of J-Dub. They're the only three with double figures. He just shows off that creativeness at the rim. Obviously, he's, he's not the, the biggest guy, but he's he has the in-air strength to be under control and finish out a play, which is very impressive. He threw down a lob that was not even close, but you just got to get him in the vicinity of the basket, and he can make something happen. This lob was in the 300 section, one of his two alley-oops today, and he still somehow knocked it down and still got to the line off of it uh, to make matters worse for Miami. 23 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 blocks. Third block, now he threw the ball away on you know uh, late in this game and was able to go ch- get a chase down block. Was that turnover on purpose? Some are wondering if that turnover was on purpose to go get a block for Chet Holmgren, but he did finish with 3 uh, because of it. So here's the question. Would you trade a turnover for a block? I think that you would when you're near the top of the list uh, for blocks if you're Chet Holmgren. But, you know, obviously that's very silly, but still what isn't silly is Chet Holmgren having a fantastic game. I, I thought the Kenneth Williams looks much better, much improved out there. You know, I don't want to speculate, but of course he dealt with those back injuries that held him out at the beginning, beginning of the year. These last few games, he just has looked a step slower than he usually is. He has not moved very well on the floor. He looked much sharper in that area in this game, especially in the second half. Really good communicator defensively for him. Six rebounds, which were big. Only one miss, and it was one for two from three. Seven points, six boards, two turn uh, two assists for Kenneth Williams. And it was announced today by TCU that they were retiring his jersey. So in the span of this season, they retired his high school jersey and his TCU jersey. This is Thunder jersey up next. Well, maybe one day uh, we'll see it in the Paycom Center. Michich played solid minutes. Michich was uh, a nice creative passer to really help the Thunder bust up the zone. Um, and, and it was decisive with the ball, even if he wasn't the one that benefited from the assist, getting the ball where it needed to go to be uh, a connector was really good for Micic, made some really good decisions, wasn't awful defensively, but one thing I don't like that the Thunder have done a couple of times now is playing Josh and Micic together. I don't think that Josh Giddy and, and Vasa Micic can be two of your five defenders on the floor. They're just not good enough. Like you, you have to have one of them hidden and, and Micic is very connective uh, and engaged defensively. But again, it's just a very tough ask for him to become a, a, a cover in the NBA. And uh, he's admitted that himself. So uh, I think that you can only survive a, a long stretch with one of those guys on the court. I get it. You you want to have Josh Giddey's rebounding out there uh, in certain bench lineups, but it's a really tough uh, defensive assignment in those situations. Casey Wallace, really good at frustrating jump shooters. He did get called for a foul on one jump shot contest, but overall, the trade-off of how often he gets called for fouls when contesting jump shots versus not only the block jump shots, but the jump shots where you know he somehow legally pulls off, not giving them a ton of landing space. Those are what's impressive because you'll give away a foul here or there for the benefit of what he can give you. Uh, frustrating jump shooters, which he did again today against Miami. Isaiah Joe, three for six from three. Awesome, 11 points, two rebounds. Some big rebounds on the stretch from Josh Giddy. I thought Jaywell played well in the in the first half, just as a spark player. Uh, came in, a couple nice assists in the, in the high post, and then knocked down a three. Uh, obviously, the defense is going to uh, leave some to be desired. I, I don't think he's as, as rough as, as it's made out to be, but obviously he's not very um, high priority on the defensive end. Uh, 
so with Jay Willow, I think he provided a spark in his role. Like his role is to be a a ten to twelve minute player, which is what he is. He, he averages eleven uh, and a half minutes a game, and if you can knock down a three and get a couple assists, like that's your uh, kind of high output expectation that you have if you're a player like that. Uh, MVP of the game. Let's go with J Dub in this game. Busy, busy, busy few days. So recap of the Portland game tomorrow. Up next, which will come out on Friday morning around midnight or whatever, whenever the game ends on Thursday. Uh, recap of the Magic game, which will come out on Sunday after like a mid- at like midnight after the Magic game. And then on Monday, Stock Watch, where we go through the entire roster, other stocks heading up or down, plus talk about this new television situation for the Thunder. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, recap the Lakers and Clippers game, a back-to-back with a zero travel, not even a travel to a new arena uh, for the Thunder. Uh, great job for them uh, on uh, a rare a rarity on the road. Only this can happen uh, for the Thunder on the LA soil. Mailbag the next day, and then a jazz recap to close out the week. But a busy week ahead for Lockdown Thunder. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Follow uh, me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow me on Threads, same thing at Ryland underscore Styles. And until tomorrow, where we recap the Portland game. Be good and be good to one another.